Hi, everyone. Welcome to our last episode in our fitness series to wrap up January. We sit down today with Anthony Lowe. He is a physiotherapist and a fitness educator. And we just have a really nice conversation about turning the industry sort of on its side and taking a look at things from a different perspective and what that means for pregnant and postpartum women and what that means for pre and postnatal fitness coaches and what that means for the industry. And it's just a really interesting and really invigorating conversation. I'm really excited for everyone to listen to it. So without further ado, here we go. Female-driven industry as far as coaching is concerned and education is concerned and You've had some really poignant things that you've said that I just have really latched onto, um, and so I think it it's going to be really great for people to hear from your perspective as well because um, I feel like it can very easily become sort of like the feminist show where it's like men don't know and everything's built for men and we need to stand up and be women and all of those things can be true, but I think there's also room for you know understanding that that men do also exist in this space. Absolutely, and. Men are feminists too. <laughs> that's right. That's that's very right. So you, I would love to just hear a little bit about your background. I'm so curious to know how you got into women's, what do we call it? Women's health, women's fitness. How do you categorize what you do? I mean, I know you're a physiotherapist, but you do have a really impressive amount of knowledge for the female body and for its its specific needs. And I just would love to know how that became your passion. Yeah, uh, it's pretty simple. It started um, in my first year uh, as a first year graduate out of uh, physio school, PT school. Uh, I got a hospital job and part of that is that you have to do rotations and holiday coverage. So, you know, they give you experience in orthopedics and, and medical wards, so respiratory, ICU, um, as well as um, post-stroke, rehab. I got spinal cord injury. Uh, but I also got pre and postnatal work as part of my work. And, you know, I, I've told the story a few times, but I, I remember being paged while I was doing the antenatal clinic and postnatal ward work. And a midwife had called, uh, well, paged me and I called down and um, she said, listen, I've got this woman on the table. She's got really bad back pain. She can't get up from her examination. I've got a room full of people. I need you to come down and get her better so that I can keep going because we're running late and she's got to go pick up her kids because she's going to get a fine if she doesn't get the kids at the right time, blah, 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 blah. So I went on down. I've got no idea. Um, go down. Did some really, really gentle, you know, Maitland-style grade one pivums, rotation mobs, um, rocking as well as, you know, just asking her questions covering up the fact that I didn't really know what I could do to help her. <laughs> and I just asked her to sit up. And after, you know, three to five minutes of just having a look and not finding anything in particular, and she sat up and she felt a lot better and ran out the door, literally ran out the door. Thank you. Got to go. Bye. The midwife's pushing me out the door. Thanks for that. Okay, I've got to keep going. And I was just left standing there in the hallway going, I've got no idea why I did that and why it worked. And that started a journey, I suppose, into wanting to know more about that. And I ended up at the hospital teaching the antenatal exercise classes and some of the prep type work that we did there, um, as well as um, 
you know, getting more interested in the SIJ and then the thorax through Diane Lee and, and LJ Lee's work. And yeah, that's where diastasis comes from in terms of my early education. And then I, I often describe what I do as working at the junction of musculoskeletal or ortho, as you call it in America, ortho, sports, sports performance, um, sports injuries, as well as uh, women's health, pelvic health. So that's where I work and I have that little niche there that I like to work in. Uh, but I, I see general things, uh, regular ortho PT, um, but combining it with women's health, pelvic health, the occasional men's health, but you know, most of my career has been women's health. So yeah, I hope that answered that question. Yeah, that's great. I love that image of you just standing there, sort of just standing in the hallway, like what just happened, because I feel like that's um, a really great sort of representation of what parenting life can be or like what life is like for a mom it's like you're on the clock like you were saying she was going to get fined if she didn't get there to pick up her kid on time and so she's just worried about getting off the table she's not necessarily worried about what's going on in her body right she's mm -hmm. not looking at the larger picture like hey there's something here that clearly is screaming for attention that needs to be addressed she's literally just moment to moment like i need to get off this table so that i can get in my car so that i can mm -hmm. pick up my child and that's kind of the extent of it and i feel like that happens so so much of the time with with new parents and I mean with all parents really but but there's that very delicate window especially in the first few years postpartum where um you know our bodies have gone through so much and we everything is already kind of trial by fire and and we're taught so much about how to navigate breastfeeding and how to navigate sleep training and how to navigate feeding the baby and diapering and and all of the things that are needed for the baby which are all obviously very important but we're just not given the proper tools to be able to do those give that same attention to ourselves to our own bodies and that's something that I here in the states I feel very strongly about the fact that that our health care industry is really lacking in that sort of in that category for women um, or for parents. And I I find it frustrating to say the least, but I'm really thrilled that especially in the last, I think, one to two decades, there's really been this pivot in the medical care industry or, or for providers, for people like you who are really working to um, sort of, I guess, fill that gap. And I'm excited to see where it goes. Do you guys have similar issues in Australia with sort of not the same attention in healthcare to postpartum women and postpartum recovery? Um, I think I think I could answer yes and no. Obviously, people slip through the cracks. Um, sometimes all the services that they need are there, but they choose not to access those services for whatever reason. Um, and, you know, it, it becomes a complicated answer, Kimberly. Um, you know, and then there are places where the resources aren't there, even though there is a need, and then there's a priority schedule going on. You combine that with the conservative, well-meaning, but very conservative advice that's not really based on any evidence um, about lifting restrictions. And, and honestly, I think, uh, you know, we talked earlier about basically a patriarchal medical model where 
we're telling people what to do with their bodies, you know, as well-meaning as that can be because we want the best for them. It's not our body. It's not our choice. We, we've got to change the way we look at ourselves and see our role in the health system as well as working to create the change that we want to to uh, that we want to see, that we want to live the world that we want to live in. So I think a lot of that has to go on in, uh, you know, not just from the top down, not just from the government or the providers or from the doctors or from whoever's holding the power, it's got to come from the ground up as well. So that's why, you know, empowering fitness professionals, for example, is so important to me because they see and spend so much more time with people than I do. I see people, you know, one, two, three, four, five times maybe, whereas they might see them that many times in a week. I might see them over three months um, to help somebody. So, you know, having fitness professionals empowered and armed with good quality information, challenging the existing beliefs and attitudes, and that that conservative advice, as as well-meaning as it can be, it can be disempowering, it can be fear-based, it can be, um, you know, we talked about like having like a Debbie Downer type series. I'm actually an optimist. I, I really think that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I think that there's lots of resilience that um, has been built in. I think there's lots of redundancy in the systems that we have in our own bodies and taking advantage of that and recognizing what they are and reframing the problems that we see instead of a fearfulness of, oh, we don't want to load you up too much. It's like, well, what if we change the way that you loaded? Because you have to, and, and you shouldn't feel guilty for sitting up instead of log rolling to get up when your kid screams in the middle of the night for no apparent reason, like obviously something's happened. You shouldn't feel guilty that you sat straight up because you were fast asleep grabbing whatever hours you could. Um, don't feel guilty that you did that. Oh, no, I've done it the wrong way. Like we we put so many right and wrongs on people that they just get overwhelmed with confusing um confusing feelings as well as the the conflict in their knowledge and for example one of the most common things that i hear people say is they'll say oh i've got bad posture and i'll say show me and they'll slouch for example and that's what they consider to be bad and then i say how does it feel and they go oh it feels good but it's wrong and so then they stand (laughs) up straight or sit up straight and it's like okay tell me how that feels it goes oh okay it's not very comfortable I, I don't think I could do it for too long but it's right so I've got to keep practicing until I can do it like this all day and it's like or somebody's just fed you bad information because we don't actually have good research to support that there's good and bad postures so you know why don't we just say it's okay if you want to slouch like that because you know what you're tired and your body feels good here and instead of instead of instead of and you could also do other things too like lie down on your tummy and play with your baby while it's tummy time because that's a great way of getting some extension into your system and spending time with your baby and suddenly there's not this I've got to choose my exercise program over my baby and playing with my baby all of a sudden it's oh I can do two things at the same time or you know picking up a baby when 
they've got sufficient head control and all the other good things. Picking up your baby, like very few babies, if you do it in a fun and gentle manner, very few babies get scared and scream. They often laugh and smile. And being able to pick your baby up and down, why, why can't we combine that with a little bit of knee bend and all of a sudden you're doing squats and lifting? There is nothing wrong with that. And why don't we see how you do this? And oh, look, your preference is to bear down with on, on your pelvic floor when you do it the way that you do it. And it doesn't mean that you're doing it wrong. It just means that that's one option that you can choose. And we have other options for you to, to learn as well so that you can choose whichever one you need in the moment. As opposed to, oh my God, you're bearing down, your uterus is going to fall out of your vagina with your bladder and your bowel. And <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like that's often what yeah. women walk away with. Instead, reframing what? it by saying, you know, that's great. You're doing really well there. And one other thing you could also do is to support it differently. You have support there. You can also support it differently by doing this. And it's just a different way of flavoring the same information. And that's what I was so drawn to. I remember you did, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, but you were um, talking, you were doing the birth healing summit and you were talking about diastasis and you were saying specifically, why is diastasis wrong? And you caught Lynn off guard and there was like this moment where she was like, well, like she didn't know what to say at first. <laughs> and I just remember I was sitting at my kitchen table watching you and like jumping up and down on my chair because... I feel so strongly about that. Women are so patronized when it comes to taking care of their bodies during pregnancy and during postpartum. And, and it's about all the right ways to do it and all the wrong ways to do it. And like mm. you said, log roll instead of sitting up or if you squat and you bear down, you know, all these terrible things are going to happen. And it's like we have to live in reality. We mm. we have to we have to accept that every day is, I mean, honestly, going to be a shit show in one way or another. I you know, today, for example, my six-month-old is teething, and so nighttime is not great. Um, she sleeps the best between, like, 7 p.m. and 12 p.m., and then usually, like, the 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. hours are really awful. And so I'm not getting sleep, which means that my body is not experiencing the kind of regeneration that it needs, which means that during the day I'm in a lot of pain. And last night, for example, my... So the baby was awake. I think we finally went back to sleep at like 5.15 a.m. And then my older daughter came in at like 5.50 and she was like, I'm awake because the baby was crying and now I can't get back to sleep. And so I was like, sure, of course, I don't need to sleep. This is just my life now. And so I went to the chiropractor and she was like, oh, you know, you're the right side of the back of your pelvis is shearing and your rib cage is rotated and your left shoulder is elevated and it's overcompensating in this direction. And and but she's wonderful. You know, she was she was just giving me the information because I ask that of her. But but she sort of is the same mentality of you where she's like, this is just the body that you're living in today. And so we're going to make today work. And then tomorrow we can do something different if that's, you know, the direction that you want to go in. And I think that 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 mentality and being able to sort of like ease the anxiety and ease the tension and ease the chaos for women is really important because we we put so much pressure on ourselves to bounce back, right? There's that whole idea of bouncing back after pregnancy and most of it is aesthetic based and most of it is about fitting into your old clothes again and most of it is about being able to wear a swimsuit and most of it is not about feeling good. And most of it is not about being practical in the way that you live your life day to day. And so 
like you said before, like really instilling that from the ground up instead of the top down and, and being able to like educate the fitness professionals and also just to educate moms and just to say, hey, you're okay where you are today. And if you got out of bed differently than you think you're supposed to, you haven't regressed, right? You haven't you haven't ruined anything. You're just living today the way that you have to live today. And that's that's something that I thought was just so so important that you mentioned in that in that um video with Lynn because diastasis specifically as you were talking about in the video is seen as a bad thing and we can from a physiological perspective we can say okay well if you have diastasis and if it fits x y and z description then it means that you're going to have lumbar pain or sacroiliac pain or thoracolumbar pain or whatever you know we fill in the blank with all of these potentials that it could that it could be based on just having the diastasis but like we can't we say that. Have... Is that what you said? We can't say that? No, I'm saying we can say that. Like we, well, I don't we think can... we can. I don't think well, we can. Right. The evidence is not but there. But that's the point that you... Right. And that's the point that you were making, I think, in that video is that like people can say whatever they want, but it doesn't, it doesn't make it... It's not black and white. It doesn't mean that like because this thing is here that everything else is terrible. And I think I'm paraphrasing very poorly, <laughs> but... But I just thought it was so empowering to women the way that you were talking about it. So what is your how do you because I know in the fitness industry, diastasis is like this this devil thing that it's like you're oh, you're postpartum. Great. Let's get rid of it. But like what is your stance? What is your perception on on how we treat it? I'm not sure what your question is. How do I see other people treating it or how do I treat it? No, I I think just like, well, sure, how do you treat it? But also like, what do you notice about sort of the way that the industry and the way that people are educated about it? What have you noticed, I guess, is good and bad or not too, even good and bad? Too Go much sales and marketing business coaching um, because yeah. the standard way that marketing works these days, particularly from business coaches that us poor therapists can afford it tends to be create the problem, find the pain point, provide a solution, right? So what better way than to take advantage of somebody at their most vulnerable time during probably the biggest roller coaster of emotions that they've got going on while sleep deprived and physically recovering from a marathon and no doubt also managing other kids for a lot of women and maybe not even having the support they need and during COVID times, not even having physical support from family that are nearby. Let's just take advantage of that situation and scare the living shit out of them so that they buy <laughs> my product from the promises that I give them, which I will just wave away as you didn't do the program properly if they don't get the results. That's what I think of the industry. Uh, and I think it's terrible and I hate it. And my mission is basically to take it down. Um, there's nobody in particular in mind that I have. I just think it's systemic and it's the most popular position and it's awful and it's disempowering and I'm offended by it as a health professional. I'm offended by it as a feminist. I'm offended by it um, by the as a scientist because it's not supported by the science <laughs> and there's just many things that are wrong about it. And I hold health professionals with um, university degrees to a higher standard than I do those who don't because we are educated 
on how to read the research. And we are educated and taught to use our brains in a critical, in a critical reasoning manner. And so much of the shit that's put out there is illogical and unscientific and doesn't even have a good plausible basis on which to base their theories on, as well as, um, you know, the skills to examine what your underlying assumptions and beliefs are in the first place about it, and then succumbing to confirmation bias and all the other cognitive biases that exist out there and using logically fallacious arguments, like all of those things just annoy the living crap out of me. So (laughs) the simple, so I can go philosophical on you or I can go practical and I tend to go practical. I I think the easiest way to do it is to recognize that we want to do the very best for the people who come and see us. I think that is a fair common ground. I think that there are very few people that are in it for the money. Um, There are easier ways to make money, to be honest. Um, (laughs) So I think people really do want to help women in the postnatal world, in the pre-postnatal world, and quite a lot of people seem to base their own experiences as being the basis for their programs or their beliefs or their theories or because I saw this person and this is what they said, that's what I'm teaching everybody else. Um, and whole empires are built around that and they could just be wrong and it's okay to say that and it's... You know, I, I did an Instagram post just the other day, which said, hey, feel free to challenge me. Call me out. I I don't fight dirty. Um, I want to have discussions about this because we really don't know. And being comfortable with uncertainty is difficult for people. And again, that sales and marketing, give them a plan, give them a pathway. People like certainty. The problem is, is that we're not being honest and saying, we don't know. So we're either going to fool ourselves and you, or I know that there is no certainty, but I'm going to sell you certainty because I think I want to impose my beliefs about what I think you need because I'm the trusted one. And again, we're back into a patriarchal system, a matriarchal system. And can I tell you, Kimberly, it is awkward when I'm the pelvic health guy for female pelvic health calling out women. I I do it very, very gently and ask questions. But when women get matriarchal and start being the boss of somebody else's body and beliefs and how they live their life, like how is that any different from the system we currently have? Because that's just wrong. And, and, And these are feminist women who can tell you all about other issues and then suddenly they get into the clinic room and they become the matriarch, which is really no difference to just being a man telling a woman what to do with her body. Do you know what right. I mean? Of uh, being, course. Being a woman doesn't give you the right to tell somebody else what to do with their body either. Um, so anyway, how do I treat diastasis? Instead of looking at all the fear... I look at what you can do. Let's meet you where you're at and let's see what you can do. Let's see what your everyday life looks like and how many ways can we do the one thing because that is real life. Like nobody, if you've got kids that leave stuff lying around on the floor and you go pick it up because, you know, they're one, um, you don't 
do a textbook perfect stoop or squat to pick up every item. So why don't we train you to be resilient and pick things up by bending and twisting and breathing in all the wrong ways, however people say wrong, because that is life. And your body does have redundancy and your nervous system needs a range of experiences um, because it's the meaning behind what you're feeling is um, which, which really does flavor and color your experiences. So if we do change the meaning of what we're feeling, we will change the feeling of what we're experiencing. And so understanding those baseline, I call them BAMs, beliefs, attitudes, meaning, stories, you know, because if we can understand, if somebody, for example, you told me that you had back pain, uh, you said you're in, sorry, you said you're in a lot of pain because you were up from one and then you got like maybe half an hour before your daughter came in and woke you up because she was awake because the baby was awake and well, there, there goes the rest of your sleep for the morning. Right. What does that pain mean to you? Um, <clears throat> what does it mean when the chiropractor says that you've got a rib shift here and you've got a shearing here and you've got a strain there? Like what if all of that is actually wrong? What if that's just <laughs> sure. a description of something that they've correlated and we're trying to make up a story to explain what's going on? What if instead of having that kind of scary story, it's like, you know what, Kimberly? You got up and you're here and you're working off three hours sleep and you're managing at least two kids that I've heard of and doing your work and doing all the other things that you're doing in life and managing the stress of COVID as well as any other things that you've got going on, any other friends and family that you have to care for as well. And you're here and you're alive and you're moving. And whilst you may not be feeling the best, look at how much you are doing when you're not at your best. Why can't we look at your life that way instead of, wow, look at all these things and look at how bad your body is and look at the pain that you're feeling, maybe looking at things in a slightly different way and looking at how awesome you are and, and how you are able to cope. And yes, you are sore at the moment because your body is wanting some recovery time. You're just not able to get that yet. And we can't provide that for you because COVID restrictions mean that it's difficult to get people to take care of your kids at the moment and get the rest you need. You know, uh -huh. <laughs> um, so just reframing things can often help a lot. And that's how I deal with diastasis. I see the same things. They just don't make sense to me. Some of the stories like, oh, you can't dome. And he's like, well, why not? You want people to turn on the transversus and time their breathing and tense the fascia, blah, 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 blah. So in other words, you want to put tension through the tissue. But if you're doming and you put tension through the tissue, that's bad. And say, so, well, how does that work? Because tension is tension. And whether, you know, like from a physics point of view, it doesn't make sense to me whether you're doming or not. You're putting tension through the tissue. Why is that doming bad and lateral tension through the transversus and without obvious doming? Why is that good? It's still tension through the tissue. That doesn't make sense right. to me. Make a better argument. And people can't because, <laughs> right. you know. 
Well, and I think that that's something, and you touched on that a little bit before too, is, is like, why, why is it that we say that diastasis creates low back pain? We have no evidence to back that up because as an industry, if you want to talk about, you know, pre and postnatal fitness as an industry, we don't, we simply don't have the research. No one has put a significant enough amount of money into researching physiologically and, um, you know, from an anatomy perspective, no one's put the money into researching A causes B equals C. You know, we're not, it's not, the benefits are not great enough for that that kind of expense in research. Um, you know, we're not curing cancer. So I feel like this is an industry that is built on assumptions, like you said. And there's there's just a severe lack of peer review and severe lack of looking at the science and it's I, I feel like there's so much information out there that's just based on assuming okay well I know that a lot of people with diastasis have low back pain therefore diastasis creates low back pain yeah and, but but people are going 80 percent of the population will experience low back pain whether you're a woman or not right and so why is why are we blaming it on diastasis again like maybe maybe the reason why you have low back pain is because someone told you that you're going to get low back pain and so you tense up or somebody told you that you need to have your core strong and so now you overly brace everything and we know how much joints love compression and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, see, I knew it. I tried to do my core exercises but I started too late. I didn't do the program as I should have and take all the blame on myself. Let's do the victim blaming thing. And that's the reason why I have low back pain. Therefore, diastasis causes low back pain. Never mind the fact that all research involving human bodies in pregnancy cannot ethically be done through deductive reasoning. So it's all inductive reasoning. Therefore, everything has a degree of uncertainty about it. It's why you won't find causation in pre and postnatal research. And as you said, like maybe the effects aren't big enough from the stuff that we've seen already, what does that tell us? Maybe the stuff that we're looking at and that we think is important actually isn't that important. Right, because it's all part of the cycle. That's one thing that I often tell my clients when, because everyone wants a timeline, right? We've been built to to expect a timeline. When am I going to get to fill in the blank? When am I going to get into my old genes? When am I going to get to be able to go back to whatever it is that women are told they can't do, lifting weights, running, um, you know, downhill skiing, whatever it is, when do I get to give me a timeline? I want to be able to anticipate on my calendar what day things go back to normal. And that takes away from the fact that your body is going through an experience and that's it. There is this experience that you are having. And I think that um, and I admittedly, in my first pregnancy, did not have that mentality at all. I was I was younger. I knew a, a lot less about pre and postnatal fitness. And and I came from a dance background. And the dance industry is very much about physique and how you look and, and how you move. And um, everything is visually, physically based. And so that was my priority was getting back to looking like a dancer. Whereas, you know, going through many, many years of education in the industry, I'm able to look back at that and recognize that that was, I was putting unnecessary stress and trauma on myself because I thought that that's what I was supposed to do after having a baby. Whereas 
if we can sort of shift our mentality to understand that like this is just an experience in life and we have to roll with the experience and take every day as a part of the experience and not be so laser focused on making our body acceptable for society or making our body acceptable for what we perceive to be what we've been taught to think is an acceptable postpartum body that's if we can help people understand that that's where their head can be at then it i feel like it takes away a lot of the unnecessary shame and um, resentment that women end up feeling toward themselves women don't walk away from a a you know postnatal let's say like a postnatal workshop or like a postnatal fitness challenge they don't walk away resenting the challenge they walk away resenting themselves and that i think is so detrimental to understanding what kind of power we actually have in our bodies yeah and true choice true choice i agree and i like i like how you said um that we can have because to me, true choice means that if you understand the range of choices and you understand your motivation and where it comes from, having a, an aesthetic goal, having uh, a seemingly unreasonable goal, like doing a 5K run at four weeks postpartum, like if you understand everything, that means that I have to accept that that is a decision that you've made even though I may not agree with it. And that's really hard for people to accept, particularly if we're in the body positive side of things, having people choose aesthetic reasons can seem like a terrible thing. Do they really understand what this is based on? Why are we judging our self worth on how we look? I don't know. Like, I mean, choice is choice, right? So. Sure. Um, yeah, no, totally agree with helping people understand the range of choices and helping people understand where they've placed their self-worth and where they've placed their identity. Because for practitioners, for therapists, trainers, um, even people who've gotten better, uh, or people who've had a bad result, um, you know, lots of people put their identity in things that I would say that they that they might be better off not putting. For example, if you have a certification in something and then I produce research that uh, refutes the theory, not the results, the theory of what you're doing, people can be really offended. That's often what we get offended by, the fact that it feels personal when we're talking about ideas, you know, I don't ever say to somebody, you're an idiot because you do X theory. It's like, have you considered the research which shows that the theory may not be correct? Let me reassure you, you've helped hundreds and thousands of people, but maybe it's just for a different reason. And that can be very, very offensive to some and others are at a different place with placing their identity in their certification, for example. It's a very, very interesting space. And, and trying to tease out the biological with the psychological and the sociological. Like, I mean, if uh, at the moment, people are still trying to pin what the main reason why somebody has this is. 
But the thing is, is that you, if you have a biological thing like a diastasis, it affects your psychology, how you think, and it affects how you relate to people in your culture and the people around you, both by their effects on you and your effects on it. And then if we say that, oh, it's because you've got a negative body image issue, that affects you biologically, not just hormonally, but also the way that you move and the way you hold yourself and the way that you do things. And it affects you sociologically, how you interact in your culture and environment. Or if we say, oh, you know, this is a cultural thing and and that's the reason why you've got the problem that you have, it affects the way that you think and the way that your body responds. And so then we can even go into epigenetics and how... Um, you know, trauma that your mother had, for example, and multi-generational trauma, systemic culture, um, and the traumatic effects through, um, you know, for we've been talking about feminism, so the subjugation of women through centuries and, and millennia. We could talk about their epigenetic effects on, on it. And all of a sudden, it becomes very, very complex and I think it's a fool's errand to, to, to point to one particular component as being the reason why you have the problem you do. It's why I prefer to look at the individual and meet them where they're at and get to know them and their ideas and their goals and their motivations, their beliefs, their assumptions, their biases, um, their stories, their attitudes, the meaning that they have for everything that they experience because all of that goes together with empowering them Instead of telling them what I think will help them the most, and let's face it, I've done this for nearly 25 years, I'm probably going to be more right than wrong. <laughs> the thing is, is that number one, I could be wrong. And number two, they are going to need me to tell them next time what to do. Instead of asking the questions and teaching them the process of how to figure it out, like that to me is teaching somebody to fish instead of giving them a fish. Um, and that to me is true empowerment. And the irony is, is that when I started working more that way, I got busier. People, people like feeling like they're not being taken advantage of and put on a treatment plan. And, you know, people are sick of feeling scared all the time. So let's yeah. just not do that to them. I, yes, let's not. I love that. I also think that, you know, we, the reason that I'm doing this entire series in January is because January is the time, right? Of the yeah, bouncing. Yeah, you, you knew or, me. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and, you know, I think that we are, we are constantly becoming new versions of ourselves. I don't think that that is mm -hmm. specific to January. I think that we are, we are always evolving. And so on the one hand, while I'm happy to celebrate that we can all celebrate that, that, that human experience together and we can all take a moment to say, Hey, look at us. We're all evolving. It also, I feel like there's this flip side of it where we're saying it's time to be a new you, which means, you know, torturing your body. There's this idea in fitness that like, if you're, if the class was torture, then that means that you got a good workout or if you worked really hard or if you sweated a lot or if you burned a lot of calories, you got a really good workout. And that's sort of like our litmus for, for how we are able to change our body is based on how much pain we're in or how hard it was or how much you, you know. That is <laughs> one legitimate way, though. That is one legitimate way. It thing. is one legitimate way, yes. Like I, there do are you, masochists out there. Do you out find there. that, um, 
because I notice a lot of what's the word territorialism I notice that a lot of people a lot of fitness professionals are very territorial about what they provide to their clients right and it's like this is this is Kimberly's prenatal workout and that's Anthony's prenatal workout and this is why Kimberly's is right and Anthony's is wrong and mm. you know we can't we can't possibly work together we can't possibly collaborate we can't possibly you know open our doors to each other and open our doors to our entire client base to like you were saying before to to um educate or to like help from the ground up which really i would hope is the larger goal but instead it's very closed off and it's very much like it's either me or it's you and it can't be both of us and we can't both exist in this space together and yeah it's terrible i i'm always reminded of princess uh, Princess Leia, Princess Leia. I don't know how you say her name. Leia. Yeah. Um, Leia. I always remember her talking to Grand Moff Tarkin in the first Star Wars episode four, where she says the 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 tighter you squeeze your grip, the more star systems slip through your fingers, right? Um, and and that to me has always been my interpretation of a positive business coaching approach, which is don't try hold on to people. Don't try hold on to your territory um, because you'll, you'll squeeze too tight. Um, and, you know, there's lots of analogies about holding on to baby bunny rabbits too tightly and all sorts of things like that. It's the same sort of thing. And so I just tell, I tell fitness professionals that, you know, I, most of the stuff I learned has been from fitness professionals, not physios, in terms of exercise, because they've got far more skill and imagination and ability than I do with respect to exercise. Um, I leave the programming to the fitness professionals and those who I've worked with quite a lot know that I'll chime in if I say, oh, you know, with this one, maybe not this one for this week, but they'll probably be okay next week. Because they know that I, I'm not trying to hold on. In fact, I, I, when I speak to fitness professionals that I'm going to be working with, or um, you know, people have come to see me and, and they tell me that they're working with a trainer, I tell the trainer, hey, my goal is to keep them with you unless they absolutely should not be there. Like um, you know, they're in a coma. That's pretty much it. Because I know that if you've got a broken leg, you can still go to the gym and the trainer will have lots for you to do. You do, not, you do not have to rest from the gym. And I think it's ludicrous that we do things to people like, uh, say things to people like that. I was talking to a coach just yesterday. Um, she said to me, in your ideal world, what would it look like if you went into a CrossFit gym and you were happy with the pre and postnatal care there? And I outlined some of the things, but one of the things that I would love to see is the ability to turn up at one, two, three weeks postpartum if you'd like to and take part in the class in a knowledgeable, appropriate way that suits you because when you go to something like CrossFit or Orange Theory or F45 or the boot camp down the road, like... It's not just exercise. Otherwise, people could just stay at home and put a YouTube video on and they'll be fit. So much of right. exercise, group exercise, 
is that social interaction, that family that you develop, the care that other people have for you, the instruction from the trainers. And even if you just sat there on the couch and watched your friends work out with your baby because you just wanted to be in that environment again and you had a chat, you had a coffee and you were talking to the people from the the class that had just finished and then the class that you would have been in, they're finished and you're chatting with them. I think that's a fantastic thing as an option available for women instead of, oh, no, you can't go anywhere near the gym for six weeks. Don't do that. And this is like kind of saying, which is why COVID is hard for people. It's like saying, don't go see anybody for six weeks. Don't go see your family. And I think that that is terribly short-sighted and far far too focused on people's body parts and not focused on the person. I love that. And I also was getting very nostalgic when you were talking about having that like in-person, you know, fitness family experience, because, mm. you know, here in the U.S., we are mm. on very, very tight lockdown. And um, it has been the last time that I taught an, an in-studio class was um, in March of 2020. So, right. that's difficult. man, yeah, man, do I miss it. But but I think that's a huge point that you're making, too, because when you know, we all need our community and everyone's community looks different. And of course, right now is an exceptional time where we Mm. don't get to, um, we don't get to have our communities in the way that we're used to them. But like you were saying, if a woman is one, two, three weeks postpartum and back in just engaging with her CrossFit class and her CrossFit peers and if she feels up to it, if she wants to, if right. she wants a choice, right? Choice. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And doing what, what feels okay for her, even yes. if it's just standing there and going through the motions or, you know, just being, like you said, just physically being in the room or just grabbing a coffee and saying hi to everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that something that has been a huge detriment to education in the in the fitness industry when it comes to pre and postnatal is these blanket, these black and white modifications, right? Mm. Like um the the a couple of episodes ago i was talking with another coach who was who she and i both taught in new york a number of years ago and the the biggest thing that you see in new york is that these instructors that don't have the tools to be able to take care of of the one pregnant person in the room they just mm. say okay go stand in the corner and do bicep curls for half an hour mm. or you know don't do these three exercises just stand there and then once we're done with them then you can join back in and mm. and that's that's such a such an isolating experience and it also for that person it makes them feel like they're not strong it makes them Mm -hmm. feel like they don't have powers and abilities and and it 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 really sort of closes them off to the kind of experiences that we all deserve to have we're all in that room like you said we all choose to go into a public space a public group fitness space for a reason otherwise we would just do it in our living room Mm -hmm. we all deserve to have that that camaraderie and that shared experience and it and it can be really isolating to just say okay go do that other thing because i don't have the tools because you know education is not um is not prioritized and to be fair that's again part of their education as you just mentioned but also in a group fitness class you might have 30 people in there it's difficult to give individual attention and from the business coaching side of things i i often say to people listen it's actually advantageous to say, look, I don't have the time in this group class that you obviously want to come to. I don't have the time to make it as individual as I could for you during class. 
why don't you book a one-on-one with me? We'll plan out the classes that you're going to come to. I know roughly the movements that we're going to be doing. And when it comes time to do this, you've already got a plan to do that instead. So that now you've just got an upsell into a one-on-one session where no doubt you're going to make even more beneficial change for the individual. Um, It can be a totally win-win situation without having to make it a, a, a detrimental experience for anyone, you know? Yeah. Well, it's funny because that's actually what I was going to go on to say is coming back to the idea of educating from the ground up and letting your clients know, you know, to work within the the guidelines that feel okay in their body. That's the, that's sort of that idea, right? Is, is allowing them to have, you know, the instructor only knows so much and I never fault an instructor for not having all the information. Nobody does. There is not one single person in this industry or any industry that, that is the all knowing power. Mm-hmm. If they were, we would live in a very different world, but being able to, from, from that client standpoint, to have that support or to have that information, to be able to meet their body where their body is at, even if the instructor can't provide specific tools or specific modifications for them, mm. you know, I think is, is really important. And part of that, I think, also comes back to not being withholding with our information and not being territorial with our information and not... Yeah. Not saying you have to come to me for this, but only come to me, but only when I'm ready to give it to you and, you know. Absolutely. Well, and and yeah, this whole qualifying bit, you know, oh, you can't progress your exercises until you can do this. And it's like, come on. You know, <laughs> I've, I've seen people do antena- uh, postnatal programs or antenatal programs where they've run around organizing everybody, work getting the kids off to childminding or school or whatever. They've rushed into class. They lie down and they do gentle exercises on their side. They're doing some clamshells and and they're doing some marching on the spot, all of which are totally fine options. I don't have a problem with it. But I have a problem with people saying this is all you can do because (laughs) your body is not able to do more. And then watching them run off again, run downstairs, (laughs) jumping cars, wrangle kids, you know, whip shopping trolleys around. Like it just never made sense to me that we treat women like they're fragile vases, vases that can't sustain anything. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, i got to watch that because otherwise I get upset. It's like, why are we doing this to people? (laughs) It's true. (laughs) It's true. That's, that's why that's, that's why this entire series has been on my mind for this podcast forever because January is the time, right, when it's all about fitness. And it is, it's just women are so restricted when it comes to what they can and can't do. And that six week checkup. And um, like you said, like not heavy lifting, don't squat, don't, don't do this, don't do that. And the don't list is so long and mm-hmm. the do list is so small. And I am 110% here for promoting and encouraging women to find balance in their lives and so if 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 for one mom yeah exactly so if for one mom that looks like running like running around like crazy and jumping into the car and running Mm -hmm. up and down the stairs and getting your kid and then going into a studio and and you know meditating or Mm -hmm. doing hatha yoga for an hour if that is what her balance feels like Mm -hmm. i commend it i am not that person i have a very hard time with those gentle classes or Mm -hmm. 
something that I personally hate is is prenatal massage. I hate that. Just like lie on your side and I'll do gentle strokes on your back. It's not that's not what I want. That doesn't feel like balance for me, mm. but it may feel like balance for someone else. 100%. And so being able to say everyone gets to have their own idea of what balance is. And then let's all figure out individually how you can apply that to your workout or to your home life or to how you pick up your kid or, mm-hmm. you know, to how you squat down to pick up that toy or how you get out of bed at night. And, and don't and, make bullshit stories about why that's right for you, you know? Like, you, it's right for you because you like it. You feel relaxed. <laughs> Good. That's all you need to know. Like, I mean, I can talk to you about the neurophysiological reasons why you don't like gentle massage and why somebody else does like gentle stroking. But the bottom line is, is that very few things are certain and, you know, it's okay to do it because you like it. It is, uh, if it conflicts with your own goals, for example, it might feel very good to eat all the hamburgers at the local hamburger joint. That's probably Mm -hmm. not going to help you if you have a weight loss goal for whatever reason, you know, (laughs) and then you have to, you have to manage what your motivations are where is this behavior coming from um but yeah you know having those options there is so important and like you said balance looks different for different people i i don't mind the occasional yoga i don't mind the occasional pilates um i've done bar class because i wanted my friend to do crossfit and she did crossfit and i did a bar class with her and it was fun and they were genuinely surprised that a six foot two, very heavy Asian could actually do things um, <laughs> in the bar class. They were like, oh, we didn't think that you would be able to do that. I was like, yeah, that's okay. Um, I surprised lots of people. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think actually, I think you hit the nail on the head, Anthony, when you said that it's it's what you're choices are what you're choosing to do versus what your goals are and do those line up and that's something that you know only the individual can decide for themselves do do i want to eat 10 hamburgers and do i also have an idea of the kind of weight restriction that i want to be at or the kind of physique that i want to have and then you know you get to prioritize based on that right but it's okay that that looks different to different people too and it's okay that I want to have um, a certain kind of fitness level for my body. And it's also okay that I want to really prioritize regeneration right now. And it's okay that I'm swinging more toward regeneration in this moment because of the way that my daily life is at. And it's also okay that there's a different version of me maybe two months from now that swings in the opposite direction. And mm-hmm. and, and it changes day by day on the podcast. Yeah. We talked about the fact that you know, female hormones can change daily. Um, A lot more variation uh, than male hormones. Um, And that can affect your ability to exercise and how you feel and what you can do today. And tomorrow might be different. And for some women, they feel weak in the week before their period. Um, And for other women, they feel weak at other times because their unique makeup is just different. and it's fun. It's frustrating for people because people don't like uncertainty. That is true. People don't like it. But I do wonder if that's a social construct. I do wonder if it's because that's what sales and marketing has taught us. Here yeah. is your problem and here is your solution. Don't have to engage your brain. Um, <laughs> you know, 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think that, well, because marketing is how we as businesses sell to our potential clients, right? If I don't mm-hmm. have if I don't have a problem and a solution to market to you, then how am I going to get your attention? How am I going to get your foot in the door? Mm. Which, you know, I, I mean, I guess you are a business. You do mm-hmm. have some kind of marketing plan, right? What is mm-hmm. marketing? What does that look like for you? What do you tell people? I tell my marketing guys no a lot. Um, <laughs> Good. <laughs> It's like, oh, we want to do this. No, I'm not using fear-based marketing. <laughs> um, I don't mind a little bit of FOMO every now and then, fear of missing out, but not because sure. you're inadequate. It's just that, hey, don't you want to be a part of this? Um, that's a, I think that's a little bit different to you are not going to be the best at what you do unless you come and do this. Like that's a different type of message. So a lot of that, a lot of... Um, asking questions and and basically I am I guess I position myself in my marketing with somebody who is totally comfortable with uh confusion and uncertainty and I I have recognized that I seem to have a particular preference for joining the dots in ways that people don't always see um and that's fun because I don't even have to think about it. It's just like, well, I'm confused by what people say because that doesn't make sense to me for these reasons. <laughs> and then people go, oh, my goodness, how did you see that? And like, because, I don't know, it's obvious. Like, I, <laughs> right. you know, you look outside and you see a tree that's green. It's like, that's a green tree. And somebody who can't see the green tree goes, oh, my goodness, how did you see that? And it's like, well, because I'm taller than you and I can see over the fence and you can't. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Everyone, everyone's perspectives are different. And well, I think that's so important to for industry wide and also just, you know, as humans to be able to acknowledge the fact that we all have different perspectives and those all of those different perspectives, as long as they are well-meaning, can work together. Absolutely. If if, if we're all, you know, ideally we're all here to help if, in this industry, in the mm-hmm. industry of of fitness and of physical therapy, if we're all here to, because, because we want our clients to feel better, to have a more comfortable life or to be able to attain their goals. Right. If Mm -hmm. we're all in that together, then, then let's all allow our different perspectives to create a larger idea of what it is that we're delivering to our client base. Absolutely. And I am still a scientist. I do believe in truth. Um, Sure. You know, I, I, I will often say to people, I believe that you have good intentions. This is just my default baseline beliefs about everyone I interact with in health and fitness in general, but health and fitness because we're on this podcast. I just believe that you're here for good reasons, that you want to help people, you don't want to hurt people, and that you've helped lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of people. Like I just believe that you've gotten results. And if you tell me that you've gotten results, I believe you. That's it, default. However, I do reserve the right to disagree with the reasons why you think that. And we can have a talk about that because that's what science is. We talk about the evidence that we have and and the shortfalls that we have. And, um, you know, that's, that's the important thing. And once we can get onto a page like that, it's much easier to generate change and and help people to continue working towards their goal, which is I want to help my clients. 
Um, you know, I've got a foundations course, the Peak Simplicity Foundations course, which talks about this because it it's really disconcerting. I've got my masterclass, which is starting up, um, and you'll see the marketing launch for that at the start of February. I think it's February 1 that we start it. And, um, you know, that masterclass is about tearing down what you believe and then building it back up again. And it's scary for me because obviously people have to survive the first three to six weeks. If they can survive the first three to six weeks of the 13-week program, then you watch butterflies transform out of caterpillars. It's amazing. Um, It's truly a privilege to be a part of. But those first three weeks, you know, the most common response is, I don't even know what I know anymore. I don't even know if I should be a trainer or a physio. I don't even know if I'm right for this job. And it's like lots and lots of reassurance. Trust me, you're in the right place. You're doing the right thing. This is part of the process. It's awful. I'm sorry. Um, I'm working on as many ways as I can to get people through that as safely as possible. Um, But once you come out of that, it becomes a lot easier to go, okay, I'm not a bad person. What I'm doing is not wrong. What I'm saying is not wrong. What I intend to do is not wrong. But I can see the effects of the old way of thinking and I'm thinking differently now about it. And wow, I feel a lot less stress. I feel a lot less pressure. My clients are responding differently and I haven't even told them. They're asking me, what have you been doing because you're different now? And I didn't (laughs) even think that I'd changed very much. Um, Because honestly, the change comes from challenging your own biases and assumptions. If you can do that in a safe and caring place that's been created, so that you can change safely where people won't judge your ability. Um, They won't judge the programming that you have. They won't judge the technique or the cues that you use. When people are in that type of environment, change can occur. Um, And that's what I really work hard at is for my clients, for anybody who sees with me, anybody who I educate, or or takes courses with me is to create that safe place so that change can occur so that you are allowed to be wrong in whatever definition that means and it's okay because most of our society in the west and in the east to be honest because I've got a foot in each culture it's not okay to be wrong (laughs) yeah and having a place that you can go to like that is is where the best learning can occur because you don't feel inadequate anymore. You just get to be a learner and you get to have that childlike exploration of, of I wonder about this and I've always wondered but always been scared to ask because I don't want people to think that I'm dumb or this is a silly question. And, um, you know, it's that's where... If we could get everybody, whether they're people antenatal, postnatal, you know, pre-post-pregnancy, whether they're trainers, fitness professionals, coaches, instructors, therapists, you know, if we can get people to that place of curious exploration where the consequences are not personal judgment, 
that's where massive growth and change occur. And, and that's really what I'm about creating. Whether you see me as a client or, or as an educator um, or just as a person and you want to have a chat, that's what we do. It's good fun. I I love that. I, I am 100% in agreement with you. If we can challenge each other in a safe environment, if we can debate in a safe environment, that allows all of us, that allows the the tide to rise for everyone, right? That allows all of us to learn something about others and about ourselves and to be able to just assist that elevation yeah. even more. And, you know, I think we could have an entirely different conversation that would take just as long about the psychology of fitness. But I think that's also what you're touching on is that if we don't talk about the psychology of how we perceive movement and how we interpret movement and what we believe it does for us. And if we don't talk about how our mindset affects that and how that affects our mindset and that sort of catch 22, mm -hmm. if we're, if we're not talking about the psychological perspective, then we're missing a huge component of what goes into the industry and what goes into what we're providing to our clients. Oh, I can assure you that trainers are default counselors and psychologists. And I, I <laughs> you know, it, it happens because people will tell you all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I don't always get that privilege because I don't see people every week for sometimes years on end where their trainer is basically almost like their best friend or their therapist or their counselor because, um, you know, people come and see me in limited spurts and I'm okay with that. I am. Uh, I do have my regulars, of course, but... Um, you know, I'm, I'm okay to to play my role, and and there are people who keep in contact with me even though I'm not seeing them, just because there is that space there. You know. Um, yeah, that's great. Yeah. I would definitely be intrigued to be one of your clients. I'm sorry, I'm so far away. <laughs> well, you know, I do Zoom consults, and the masterclass is fully online. Um, so that was going to be my next question to you. So yeah. is is the online content, I assume, I assume, maybe I shouldn't assume, you tell me, all of the online content that you have, is that available on a global scale? Can anyone here in the States partake as well? Absolutely. In fact, I plan, most of my work is in North America, as well as in Europe. So um, the masterclass, for example, the it has six minimum of six contact hours and let's face it i tend to go overtime like we've done today um <laughs> where um uh, it's oh, 3 p.m on a sunday 8 p.m on a tuesday and 3 p.m on a thursday so the lecture is um the lecture is on the sunday and that's where both europe and north america and australia can join in and then the tuesday is the north american and, and australian focused time and then um, the European focus time is the 3 p.m. Eastern because that's 8 p.m. in in Europe. So mm -hmm. um, so it's truly global. The masterclass is a live class um, where we journey through together. But I do have self-paced courses as well. The Peak Simplicity Foundations course is self-paced, and that's at mypteducation.com. And I'm sure the links will be in the show notes. And, yes. um, you know, there's, there's lots of different options. I have some free ones. I've got some low cost options and I've got some, the masterclass is relatively expensive, but actually really good value for money. 
for what you get, you get like six to nine hours a week for 13 weeks. And it's something like $140 a week. Um, Oh, wow. So you get tons of contact time to ask your questions and get learning. And and that includes uh, feedback on on the optional coursework activities that we have as well. So we've got for people who want to generate social media content, so video content or written blogs, uh, for those who want to focus on being uh, a professional. So you follow a client and we've got a client uh, focused stream. We're adding a business stream this time. So um, it'll be using the principles which are, you know, designed to talk about um, how to help people through assessment and management. It's actually using the same principles, but in a business coaching way where traditional business coaching might force you to look at KPIs in a certain way. It's looking at them in a different way, doing something different so that you could be, um, I guess, ethically and morally aligned to with your business coach and the style of trainer or coach or therapist that you want to be yeah that sounds like an incredible program yeah i will definitely make sure that we link in the podcast notes um your website and your social media and any other direct links that we can we can include to specifically to these programs or to to whatever Mm. but i'll make sure that everyone has access to you um after listening to this because i feel like what you have to offer is um you know, I feel like you just kind of take the industry and and tip it over on its side a little bit and look at it from a different angle and sort of give people this unique opportunity to um, think about things in a different way. And I think that's just so hugely beneficial. So thank you. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm so excited that we were able to have you on today. And thank you for doing this. So last minute. <laughs> no problem. Um, and, and I look forward to staying connected with you and being able to participate at some point in one of your courses. Um, because I just think that you, you are this, I don't, I don't know if I should say anomaly. I don't know if you want to have that much power, but I feel like you just are this, are this sort of unique light, um, as far as education goes that, that people really can benefit from. So Thank you, Kimberly. I'm not alone. There are there are <laughs> others, um, but yeah, part of the reason why I'm doing it is because it wasn't out there, right? So yeah, um, my my job, particularly with the masterclass, is um, to find people who uh, who think in a similar way to me and who have their own beautiful content to share, is to empower them to start sharing. So masterclass participants from the last one in 2020 have gone on so they've started a podcast one person has completely changed their physio practice um i've had quite a number start up their own practices um there's been people who have um yep started teaching courses writing their own courses giving public talks where they felt like they couldn't producing videos for social media where they felt really awkward to do it before. They feel a lot more comfortable doing it now because we go through the editing process and the communication process. So, you know, it's a very, I, I don't need, I don't need to be the best. I want to be the person on 
on which you can stand on top of my shoulders um, and, and so that I can support you and your message. That's, that's the role that I do like to play. Thank you. Continue joining me. Thank you. Yes. This has been so great. Thank you so much.